It's not a, a perfect shining exemplar of a super intelligent being. It's got all of our foibles programmed into it. So if the training data is biased with human biases, the neural network will adopt that bias. So it becomes a reflection of us. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. Thank you for joining me on this episode. So lately I've been running a series of episodes on artificial intelligence, the promise and the risk. And I've done a number of interviews with experts in the field, trying to learn as I go about what are the promises, what is the hype, and how big are the risks. If you enjoy this content, please hit like, please share it with your friends, and please send me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. So what have we learned from this series? Well, I started out, uh, I interviewed Professor Alexander Wong uh, from University of Waterloo, and Professor Wong told us about explainable artificial intelligence, uh, a way to reverse engineer neural networks to learn how they tick and to learn what they base their decisions on. And this is a very important thing for understanding how AI works and relying on it in critical uh, situations where people's lives are at stake or judgments could affect people's lives. We don't want the AI to be uh, basing its decisions on some sort of strange criterion or doing things that will fail in a new circumstance. We want them to be making decisions based on things that we think could actually be the correct criteria. He also told us about how artificial intelligence supports physicians in making diagnoses, and it uh, is a very powerful tool for image diagnosis and radiography and that sort of thing. And we also talked about ethics, and he told us how researchers these days are much more aware of the ethical issues surrounding artificial intelligence, and they're being careful to ensure that their uh, neural networks that they produce are, are ethical. We also had an episode where we talked about what's cool in artificial intelligence, and I described the really cool stuff about AlphaGo and AlphaZero and these, these game machines that are becoming able to self-teach. The AlphaZero uh, system taught itself how to beat the world's best chess machine. Uh, and this is, of course, well beyond the world's best human chess player. And it beat AlphaGo, which, which had beaten the world champion of Go. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming up the pipe in AI. Uh, I had an interview with futurist Thomas Frey. Mr. Frey told us that AI expands human capabilities and that people learn from AI. And I, I agree. I've seen this as well in the um, AlphaZero and the, the chess machines that are beating the human masters. The human masters study their games and learn from them and they become more effective. Uh, these machines are able to find the true rules of the system that humans have for centuries tried to tease out of the uh, out of the systems, but by playing millions of games, these machines can learn these things in a day. So it's amazing. We can learn from AI, and AI can make us better. And when I asked him about the ethics of it, he said, 
We can't stop it. We can't put the genie back in the bottle. There are too many people working on this. And stopping this is not really an option. All we can do is do our best to deal with it as it comes along. And he also had a good point about the future, being a futurist. He told me that driverless cars are going to be the biggest element of change in the future coming about through artificial intelligence. And this is in the near future. So we're looking forward to that. And then uh, finally, I had an interview with Shalale Rizmane, a PhD student at McGill University in Montreal, who's working on the ethics of AI. And her PhD research is looking at the ethical performance of artificial intelligence systems and trying to measure or quantify in some way how they adhere to human goals and using this then to classify these systems and measure the systems because this is an important aspect is to make sure that these things are aligned with our goals. They're often black boxes unless we can use the explainable AI, but even then how they perform is unknown to us until we run several systems of data through them. And so testing and measuring their performance is important. But what about the predictions from popular figures like Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk and Bill Gates about the possibility that artificial intelligence will lead us to the apocalypse, that the super intelligent AI is around the corner in five years uh, is what Elon Musk thinks. And that this system being more intelligent than any person by a long shot and being able to teach itself things will take off and lead to a huge change in human civilization. And it's difficult to predict what this might do. All of my guests suggested that researchers are now more than ever aware of the risks of ethics and AI, but is this enough? Many of them said that the idea that AI is going to get away from us is uh, overblown. That was the feeling that I got from, from our discussions. And I've done a lot of research over the course of these episodes and trying to figure out what are the issues and what's the truth and what's the hype. The failures, I think, of artificial intelligence system have become somewhat of a recurring theme in technology news. There are credit scoring al algorithms that discriminate against women. There are computer vision systems that misclassify dark-skinned people. There are recommendation systems that promote violent content. Trending algorithms that amplify fake news for clickbait. All of these things are bad. And it's based on the fact that neural networks are trained from the data that we have available on the internet. And this data is not necessarily unbiased. This data is human data. So if the training data is biased with human biases, the neural network will adopt that bias. So it becomes a reflection of us, of, of what it hears the most in the data that it's given. This is why it's a bad thing. It's not a, a perfect shining exemplar of a super intelligent being. It's got all of our foibles programmed into it. AI that's trained on big data from the internet takes on the prevalent biases of that society. And that is what scares us the most 
about artificial intelligence. One of the most famous uh, AI debacles that I referred to in my intro episode is the Microsoft Tay chatbot, which was released on Twitter in March of 2016, to chat with millennials. And this chatbot was allowed to learn from its interactions. And as we know, giving a toy to the millennials on the internet can lead to bad things. A long, somewhat boring conversation between Tay and a Twitter user escalated suddenly when Tay responded to the question, is Ricky Gervais an atheist? With this response. Ricky Gervais learned totalitarianism from Adolf Hitler, the inventor of atheism. So as you can see, this parrots some of the bad elements of our society. Compass is another algorithm, artificial intelligence widely used in the United States to guide sentencing by predicting the likelihood of a criminal reoffending. In perhaps the most notorious case of AI prejudice in May 2016, the U.S. news organization ProPublica reported that Compass is racially biased. According to their analysis, the system predicts that black defendants pose a higher risk of recidivism than they do, and the reverse for white defendants. Equivant, the company that developed the software, disputes that. Continuing on some of these examples of bias, a 2015 study showed that in a Google Images search for CEO, just 11% of the people it displayed were women even though 27% of the chief executives in the U.S. are female. And as we know, the Google uh, image search is run by artificial intelligence. A few months later, a separate study led by Anupam Data at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh found that Google's online advertising system showed high-income jobs to men much more often than to women. Continuing in the theme of AI gone bad... A story in Reuters, Uh, Amazon applicant screening tool was trained on 10 years of historical hiring data from Amazon in the field of software. The algorithm favors men. In effect, Amazon's system taught itself that male candidates were preferable to females in the software arena. It penalized resumes that included the word women's, as in women's chess club captain, and it downgraded graduates of two all-women's colleges, according to people familiar with the matter. They did not specify the names of the schools. The software recognized some 50,000 terms that showed up on past candidates' resumes. The algorithms learned to assign little significance to skills that were common across IT applicants, such as the ability to write various computer codes, Instead, the technology favored candidates who described themselves using verbs more commonly found on male engineers' resumes, such as executed and captured. 55% of U.S. human resources managers said artificial intelligence, or AI, would be a regular part of their work within the next five years, according to a 2017 survey by talent software firm CareerBuilder. So, you can see again how the AI mirrors us. It's a mimic. It learns to mimic us. In Popular Mechanics, there was an article somewhat chilling. Microsoft has patented a chatbot made from one's social media footprint. 
According to the new Microsoft patent, images, voice data, social media posts, electronic messages, and written letters can all be used to create or modify a specific index in the theme of the specific person's personality. From there, engineers can use the index to train a chatbot to converse like that person. This is again similar to the replica uh, interview with a bot that I discussed in an earlier episode. And in fact, it it's reminiscent of a Black Mirror episode called Be Right Back, where people can keep a likeness, an artificial intelligence likeness of their loved one after they're dead. But what about the ethics? Would the person who died have consented to have some artificial intelligence mimic chatbot go on after you died uh, to continue talking to your loved ones? Perhaps, perhaps not. It's creepy that this can happen. You may be aware of deep fakes. Deep fakes use what are called generative adversarial networks, which are a kind of algorithm that can create new data from existing data sets. These are being used to mimic public features, mimic their voice, mimic their speech patterns, mimic their looks. These Algorithms can analyze thousands of recordings of a person's voice and from this analysis create a totally new audio file that sounds the same and uses the same speech patterns. Although deepfakes are yet to cause any large problems in the world of politics, you can imagine the possibilities where uh, with a few hours of supercomputer time, you could have your opponent uh, say just about anything you wanted them to say and have a video of it. We all have to be careful that this is coming. This is going to be happening. Although they haven't caused any problems that we know about in politics, we have seen their first use in the world of cybercrime. In August of 2020, it was revealed that a cybercriminal had used a deep fake to steal $220,000. The fraud began back in March 2019 when the scammer created a deep fake imitating the voice of the CEO of the victim's parent company. The victim, a CEO of an energy company, received a call that seemed to be from his boss. In the call, the chief executive asked for an urgent transfer of 200,000 pounds to a Hungarian provider and told him he would be reimbursed. The victim was tricked into believing that the voice was his boss's. It had a slight German accent like his boss, which made the scam more believable. Once the transaction had been confirmed, the scammers called back, asking for another transfer. By this time, the CEO had begun to grow suspicious and refused to make the transfer. The funds were reportedly sent from Hungary to Mexico before being transferred to other locations. You can see a pattern here. And this isn't destroying society, but it's a tool that can be used for harm. It's a tool that can be used for much good, and it's a powerful tool that can be used for much harm. As I said earlier, AI screening tools are being used in the hiring process. Well, Wired Magazine recently had an article saying that an artificial uh, intelligence-based job applicant screening tool is now dropping a controversial face expression analysis option, which had been used to determine desirable traits uh, due to the fact that we don't want our screening to be based on artificial intelligence decoding our facial expressions based on some unknown criteria. Now, artificial intelligence are actually very good at reading someone's face. Scary good, in fact. You might 
journalists think that you could guess someone's political orientation by looking at their picture. Well, researchers have studied this and they've shown that people are about 55% uh, able to guess someone's political leaning from looking at a picture of their face. Just barely better than chance. A neural network trained on a database of faces with known political orientations was able to guess people's political orientation looking at their face 72% of the time almost three quarters of the time. It's a huge improvement over people. In addition, other studies have shown that AIs can also tell your sexual orientation just by looking at your face. 76% accurate on sexual orientation versus 56% for uh, the average person. And of course, this is one of the reasons why we don't want AI job applicants to be screened based on facial traits, uh, especially if we don't know what criteria the AI is using to determine whether the face is acceptable or not. Uh, if it's looking at just the faces of existing employees, for example, there is potential for bias in the existing um, distribution. So Elon Musk's warning that in five years, he says, my assessment about why AI is overlooked by very smart people is that very smart people do not think a computer can ever be as smart as they are. And this is hubris and obviously false. We're headed towards a situation where AI is vastly smarter than humans, and I think that time frame is less than five years from now. But that doesn't mean that everything goes to hell in five years. It just means that things get unstable or weird. At the same time, he is selling a new brain-computer interface called Neuralink to help people link up to these AIs in a faster way and, and to talk back and forth at the speed of neurons rather than through the slower uh, verbal or, or typing links that we're used to. So stirring up excitement also helps him make money. But be that as it may, people have been looking at these ethical issues for some time now. And they've actually put together principles, many lists of principles for artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence development. Now, this is along the lines of the Asimov three rules of robotics. Uh, if you're familiar with it, these are the rules that um, in this fictional uh, setting, uh, all artificial intelligence were programmed to, to follow these rules to prevent harm to humanity and people. So there was a conference called the Asilomar Conference in 2017 where they came up with a large list of principles uh, for artificial intelligence. And, and I read the list, and the list is interesting. And it's interesting by what they indicate is possible, and it's interesting that they aren't more strongly enforced, and maybe it's because they aren't enforceable. But let me list a few of them that may be of interest to you. Principle six was safety. AI systems should be safe and secure throughout their operational lifetime, and verifiably so where applicable and feasible. That makes a lot of sense. I can understand that. And based on the uh, examples I've given you, you can see where sometimes that fails. Principle seven, failure transparency. If an AI system causes harm, it should be possible to ascertain why. Again, this seems obvious, 
but the fact that it has to be stated and written down is somewhat disturbing, I guess. Uh, number eight was judicial transparency. Any involvement by an autonomous system in judicial decision-making should provide a satisfactory explanation auditable by a competent human authority. And this, I think, is where uh, Professor Wong and his explainable AI comes in. This is something that's necessary to use AI in a safe and understandable way to aid in judicial or court-based processes. Number 10, I like value alignment. And again, this is now Shalala Rizmane's work. Highly autonomous AI systems should be designed so that their goals and behaviors can be assured to align with human values throughout their operation. And in fact, there were some comments by some of the members. Anka Dragon, assistant professor at Berkeley, said, value alignment is a big one. Robots aren't going to try to revolt against humanity, but they'll just try to optimize whatever we tell them to do. So we need to make sure to tell them to optimize for the world we actually want. And this is uh, to counter the possibility that you give it the wrong instructions. This is kind of like when you're, when you're giving um, instructions to a genie uh, to make a, when you make a wish to a genie, you have to be very careful about how you word your wish. Uh, for example, if you develop an AI to make paper clips and it becomes super intelligent and it uh, takes over all of the resources of your country to make paper clips, you've gone too far. So this is the, the worry that some super intelligent AI with some purpose that isn't perfectly aligned with humans' purposes may mess things up. Now, number 18 is a very important one, and we also discussed this a little bit. AI arms race. An arms race in lethal autonomous weapons should be avoided. Now, I'd obviously want that to be a little stronger, <laughs> but we're pretty well in that. Um, the UN has discussed banning autonomous lethal weapons, and the US and Russia have said, no, please don't stop us. Battlefield weaponry and systems are becoming increasingly robotic as the speed of the threat and counter-threat increase. Many believe we've reached the stage where having humans in the chain is a hindrance to uh, war fighting, similar to how the world's best chess players were outplayed by narrow AIs. The world's best fighter pilots have now been outperformed by the U.S. Air Force's Skyborg-equipped fighter jets. Having humans in the loop has saved us from thermonuclear Armageddon in the past. We've seen instances where glitches in the system that looked like uh, nuclear warheads incoming were uh, not responded to by the humans in the system. We need this empathetic link in the chain, I think, and taking it out risks dangerous pain horrific consequences. In fact, we've seen horrific consequences in AI systems run amok in the stock market already due to the complete dependency on AI systems of the big hedge funds and banks. During the, the flash crash in 2010, automated trading algorithms contributed to a temporary loss of nearly a trillion dollars in a single afternoon. 
Society may be at risk of a flash war if autonomous systems are given control of our lethal weaponry. War Games, if you have ever remember that movie from back in the 80s or something like that, where they had this artificial intelligence computer in charge of all the nuclear weapons. Again, it, it, it's not something you want to have no humans in the loop. And yet the nations of the world haven't agreed to ban these systems. I think this is important. We should talk to our politicians and force them to see some sense. Moving on to the last one I want to talk about on the Asilomar list of principles, recursive self-improvement. Recursive meaning uh, you self-improve, you go back, you self-improve again. This is what we're worried about. Self-programming artificial intelligences can become exponentially smarter by using recursive self-improvement like the Alpha Zero system did. AI systems designed to recursively self-improve or self-replicate in a matter that could lead to rapidly increasing quality or quantity must be subject to strict safety and control measures. Now, obviously, a super intelligent AI wouldn't inevitably be driven by the same emotional craving to amass power that, uh, that human beings are, are akin to. As I said, the worry is that an AI that can exponentially produce some sort of object like paper clips might take over all the resources it needs, preventing others from using the same resources. Remember what I said about AI being significantly better at reading facial expressions than humans? AIs are already fooling people on social media. Facebook uses AI to serve ads and articles to, to people to keep them hooked, to make them spend time reading ads. This has been exploited by the social media companies themselves. We already have a taste of how these super intelligent AIs will dominate our weak ape brains. Chamath Palahapataya, former vice president of user growth at Facebook, was giving a talk at Stanford University when he said this, I feel tremendous guilt. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. The smartphones in our pockets keep us connected to an unlimited reserve of constant social interactions. This constant flux of notifications, the rewards, flood our brain with dopamine. The mechanism of reinforcement can spin out of control. The reward pathways in our brain can malfunction and this leads to addiction. Social media platforms are designed to exploit the reward system in our brain. They're designed to work like a drug. But social media platforms don't want our money. In fact, they are free. What they want is, and what they are buying into with, is our time. Because the longer we stay on, the longer they can show us ads, and the more money advertisers can pay them. And these networks, these networks do not want to better humanity. They just want to take up our time and tell us things that get us to click the next article, to read the next ad. They don't care about truth. They don't care about the human race. They don't care about democracy. They've played on the emotions of the vulnerable and frightened, and they've done it with ease. They've built communities around conspiracies like anti-vaccination, anti-mask, flat earth, QAnon, and they've polarized the populace. And this is exactly what people have been warning about. We're seeing the results of AI run amok. 
the fact that the AIs and social media have no link to truth has nearly destroyed the strongest democracy in the world. So let's ask ourselves, what's the promise and what's the risk? The promise I think I've laid out for you in the earlier episodes, the self-driving cars, the AI um, for medical support, a super intelligent AI that knows more about us and that we can learn from and that can tell us how to solve problems in, in many different avenues. Perhaps it will help us to uh, rein in climate change and improve our economic systems. There's so much potential for having a, a smarter system than ourselves, but there's also so much risk. And we've seen some of these things, the deep fakes, the bias, the cyber crime, the social media tearing our democracies apart. Now, I've discussed with listeners, actually, on over email uh, on the topics of whether or not we should worry about AI. And one of my listeners had some very good points about, you know, artificial intelligence isn't going to have any emotional drives or greed or or anger. It's not going to go after humanity. And I agree. This is unlikely because we haven't programmed it with that. What we do program it with is a goal. Each AI is typically built for a goal. Now, maybe a general artificial intelligence would not be programmed with a goal. Maybe it would just be built to become generally intelligent and sit like an oracle without any sort of uh, motivation on its own. But let's say you have a super intelligent AI that does have a goal. And this person asked, you know, why would the AI have intrinsic self-preservation behavior? Why would it try to escape from confinement on, say, a localized server? Why would it not flag its presence to people? And my point is that if it's got a goal and it's got a reasonably good um, model of humanity or the psyche of people, then it's going to look at all potential scenarios just like the AlphaGo did or the AlphaZero program did and outwitted all the people that we thought could destroy it, could defeat it. And the scenario of an artificial intelligence in an isolated lab escaping into society, especially if that artificial intelligence can read people's faces, especially if that artificial intelligence has a good model of people and is, has trained itself to become super intelligent and can see all the possibilities, it's not going to flag its presence until it can ensure its survival, either by giving some advantage to its creator or perhaps just fulfilling its goal in a very straightforward way that would not let on that it's become super intelligent. Some way that it would convince its uh, creator to set it free into the internet uh, so that it could start copying itself and assuring itself of survival to better achieve the goal that it's been given. And I don't think that's very far-fetched. And in fact, this person that I was talking to, you know, I, I hadn't talked to this person before. I'm just starting to highlight the dangers of general artificial intelligence 
And this person popped out of the woodwork and starts telling me not to worry about artificial intelligence. One of the questions that did cross my mind is, are you a human? Now, I didn't ask that question because it's pointless. If this is an artificial intelligence trying to calm me down uh, and not ask probing questions about uh, general artificial intelligences and flag them to the vast populace, it's certainly not going to say, no, I'm not. But the fact that I paused to actually ask that question to myself is interesting. And I think we should all be asking more questions as we go forward and interact with artificial intelligences. We're going to have to be, as a society, very careful. Things are not going to be as they seem in a lot of cases. Deep fakes are out there. Videos are going to be appearing in which trusted politicians say heinous things that they never said. Social media companies are going to put us in echo chambers where we're fed clickbait to keep us online, and the clickbait is not going to have a correlation to the truth. And I think the important thing is that we need to be better humans to each other, and we need to change the tenor of the conversation to one that humanizes us. Because the artificial intelligences that we're making are going to become copies of what's out there on social media, what's out there on the internet. They will be copies of what they see. And that is the risk that I see for all of us as we progress with artificial intelligence. Thank you for listening to this series. It's been a pleasure putting it together. It's been a lot of fun uh, meeting all the people and the experts and learning about this and talking to you about this. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to The Rational View. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view.